Hello and welcome to the NDA podcast. It's always media Thursday with me, Justin Pierce, the editor, and me, Andy Oakes, the publisher. So, Andy, what's been going on over the last week? Well, lots been happening. Um, let's talk about the bin fire that is uh, sadly X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, because it's been an an odd few days in what is an odd few years for the for the company, which is sad because. We like lots of people over there. There are nice, nice, wonderful people there. But you cannot escape that they've uh, had a few issues over the last few weeks. And it seems to have culminated in the last few days with what's been happening around the topic of brand safety. So a little rundown of what's happened. Um, it's Our friend Elon Musk seems to have endorsed some anti-Semitic comments online. Media Matters, the sort of the big uh, advertising council within the US, reported that brands such as Apple, Bravo, IBM, and Oracle were then found to be running ads against uh, anti-Semitic and even pro-Hitler posts, which I wouldn't think is ideal if you are into brand safety. This then led to the likes of IBM, Apple, Disney, Warner Brothers, CNN, Lionsgate, a long list, all suspending their ad spend with the platform. And this is this is obviously very bad news. Musk has subsequently said that, what was the phrase? A th- he's launching a thermonuclear lawsuit, which is a lovely phrase. Yeah. Now, he was he said he was waiting for the courts to open on Monday, seemingly forgetting that the US has an e-filing system, so you can, you can file a lawsuit at any time. But we're going to talk about AI later, but he doesn't seem to understand that. Um, and they just have a big problem. Now, it's recently been reported that they've X has pulled out of the... Uh, Ernst Young MRC, the Media Ratings Council. So they don't have any brand safety credentials at the moment. Um, Linda Yaccarino, who puts this down to having resource constraints. So resource they, they don't they don't have anyone who's in charge I mean, of that anymore. Have, the other big thing in, in the news, obviously, again, this well, all the time, is AI. And you would have thought that maybe AI could have played a stronger role. Now, think back when we were back at new media age back in maybe it was 10 or more years ago when there was that story about more years ago story about ad misplacement around uh bmp pages on facebook and so this idea of brand safety is ever present i think one of the things about brand safety is often you think it's kind of fixed and it's table stakes and it's been dealt with but it hasn't and it keeps evolving and keeps morphing it ha- I mean, what it shows is if you've got a platform as massive as Twitter and you decide to fire all the people involved in it, then you're going to have a problem. Um, it is such an, an ungovernable wild west on the platform at the moment. And, and I feel very sorry for the good people that work there uh, that haven't go into agencies and try and spin this. I mean, it's, uh, hey, it's all fine. And you can you can go three, four clicks and find something really quite nasty. And you can't gloss over the fact that's only happened since Musk took over. You know, yes, there were always some wrong-uns on the site, but you could report them and, and then they went they, those posts were taken down. But it has got a lot, lot worse. Not just the anti-Semitic stuff. We've you know our friends involved in the Media Pride uh initiative will tell you that there's a lot more homophobic content on the site, a lot of a lot of anti-trans content on the site. So it's not a great place at the moment. It's difficult to see why there is a case for brand safe advertising there and it needs sorting. Without a doubt. I mean, going back to, to Brand Safety, obviously a quick plug for our event. We've got our Foresight Focus coming up in December? December. Your December. Christmas, Christmas time. Uh, and this is focusing just on two areas, brand safety 
and sustainability. And brand safety, obviously, again, as I was saying, it, it's kind of, we thought about calling it brand safety 2.0 and then realised that was a stupid idea. But brand safety, it's it's kind of ever present. And there's, I think, over the last, with things such as what you've been talking about, over the last six months, a year, it's raised the stakes again for advertisers. Yeah. And the need to create a brand safe environment is ever more present. So we've got the likes of ISBA talking about, talking at our events about, you know, what's happening in the year ahead. It's interesting, isn't it? You've got the social platforms who aren't going far enough. And then I was reading again today, the usual thing about, oh, brand safety uh, constraints on mainstream publishers' sites going too far. So we don't want coverage. The, and this goes back years. But you know, you'll remember we did quite a bit of work with uh, our friends at Newsworks about uh, through the um, pandemic about how to, you didn't. You know, how to keep... Yeah, back don't block. And it's back all, don't block. That's it's, it, yeah. it's a problem with the clumsy keyword list. Yeah. Again, it's an ever-present issue, but again, it, it does really serious damage to publishers. It does. Should we talk about something lighter? Uh, I think so, because that's kind of the point of this podcast, rather yeah. than the serious... It was Trinity Lunch last Trinity. week. It was. Um, now, for reasons, I saw the entire thing through a sober pair of eyes, which is the first time I've ever done it. Do you want to tell all listeners why? Well, no, not really. But, oh. you know, um, I've not been very well. You've been quite well. I know yeah. he's only been a bit well, but then he thought we'd give it a go. And giving, yeah. giving an industry all-day lunch go sober is something to be, I'd say, celebrated, but also not recommended. I mean, it, I didn't realise that lunches could be so long. But it, it seems w- to whisk by when you've had three bottles of Malbec. Uh, not so much. <laughs> but it was ama- another, another amazing lunch, and it was... As we said very loud in the day, that the start of our industry's festive period. And it felt like that. You know, the room was packed. Everyone was there. We had Christmas trees. Um, I mean, we should call out the likes of Susanna Galinska, Joanna Burton, who were wearing face paint and Christmas hats. Yeah. Susanna made her table the Christmas table, the gold Christmas table, which I was just amazed by. So huge congratulations to her. And today's special guest on the podcast, Microsoft's Curran Singh, was also there. So we'll talk a bit more about sort of how good Trinity was and what what it means for the industry in terms of the return of the, the real festive season. I would also point out, uh, we're going to do another shameless plug, that Trinity tickets for next year's series uh, are already selling fast. Go on then, do a real plug. When you say series, what do you mean by series? Well, Justin, let me tell you. Uh, in 2024, we have a series of Trinity lunches. The, ne- the first one in February, February the 28th, it takes place in Edinburgh. That's in Scotland. In the month of love. The month of love. So in the month of love, you'll be in Scotland, which is obviously your, your favourite place on it the is. planet. It is. Pause for ironic laughter. Um, so we'll be enjoying ourselves up there, and then we'll do Trinity Summer which will be at One Morgate Place again, and that'll be, I think it's the week before Cannes. So what better way to warm up for a, a weekend in the sun by coming to a, a place in the city and uh, eating lunch? And then we'll do, in October, we'll be back up in Manchester for Trinity Lunch North, which is always a lot of fun. And then back to a new location, which is a secret, because we haven't booked it yet, for Trinity Lunch Winter next the year. Secret. But the people secret. are booking tickets already. Well, the event's, the event's good. You don't need to know where it is. No, um, just you, turn you up. Do sometimes, close to the time. But yeah, it's easy. It's, it works <laughs> out better if you know where it is. Okay, look, look, our special guest is here any second now, so let's end up and talk a bit all about, we mentioned AI, but we wanted to talk about AI in terms of the positivity of AI, because obviously... There are societal issues, lots of societal issues that are discussed in the mainstream 
uh, national press and TV all the time, and, mm-hmm. and we're totally aware of that. But within our industry, it's kind of offering nothing good. We did a, a roundtable, I think last week, uh, with our partner Cybids, looking at how AI will impact media planning. In fact, we've got a book coming out, The Essential Guide to AI and Media Planning. Uh, but it was a quite amazing round that table. We had very, very senior agency leaders and, and brand marketers about how far advanced they were in using the power of AI to deliver incredible creative results and mm-hmm. amazing effectiveness. And it was totally transforming their business. And it wasn't um, kind of this will happen soon point of argument, but this has happened now and these are the results. And then I had lunch the next day with again someone very senior across the industry, and he was telling me about the the amazing stuff going on within his network group about how AI is reshaping the industry for the better. So I do think sometimes, as always, the focus on, on the potential downside of AI for humankind, of which there is one, obviously, overshadows the, the real benefit for AI within essentially advertising. Absolutely, and. and- you know, the, the digital media industry is a bit ahead of the curve because we've we've been using AI in certain forms for for a few years now, and it's it's proven to work and it's proven to do really really well. So I'm all for it. I think it's I think it's going to be fantastic. You know that you had the usual naysayers at the start who thought uh, it's, it's just like blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blockchain is aware that it doesn't go down well. Well, I, do really. you know what I saw in the in the, in the editorial <laughs> inbox today? Someone's launched another blockchain-enabled media agency. No. Yeah. Wow. Because that went well last yeah, time. Well. I mean, blockchain did scar you. Oh, but anyway, here's our special guest. Yeah. <laughs> Very good timing. So, good to see you. Uh, if you can do a quick intro to yourself, who are you, what, where are you from, what do you do there, and then we can get chatting. Yeah. First of all, great to be back in the studio on the uh, on the other side of the table, uh, as opposed to, to uh, hosting a podcast. And great to see you guys. Because yeah, you were here... Lunch. Was it uh, last year doing the the Zander podcast? The the programmatic life, yeah. So we did that last year. So that was us as the the hosts. Uh, and yeah, so it feels like a long time long time since I've been in this studio, but uh, but definitely happy to be back and and great to see you guys at the uh, the Trinity lunch. That was definitely. also uh, a brilliant event. Um, but yeah, um, my name is Karen Singh, head of advertiser partnerships at, at Microsoft. Also, part-time podcast host, former part-time pod, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, podcast host. Once um, a podcast host, always a podcast host. That's it. That's how I feel. I feel like I'm part of a yeah. special club now. Soul. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And now I'm on the other side. I feel like I've retired <laughs> from that. And now it's, I'm, it's I'm getting a, asked a question. It's a three-sided table. I mean, yeah, everyone's on a different side. here. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. There's, there's no one on the, the opposite side. Yeah. And I'm uh, delighted to be here. So, yeah, part of the Microsoft advertising team looking after Northern Europe and, and LATAM as well. Okay. Uh, just to mix it up, but uh, but yeah, really, really happy to be here. Well, good to see. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about, I think, Peppa Pig, talk about mince pies, your controversial view on mince pies. Yeah. And I guess the industry, I mean, this podcast is all about what's going on in the industry. As Annie said, you were with us last week's Trinity. So what's your view on, I mean, are, are we, are we totally back to normal now? It does feel very much like the kind of industry Christmas of a few years ago. Yeah. It definitely does. And I think there's this the appetite for the events. I think we got to a point where I think there was COVID where it was all locked off. And then when we had the start of the return to events, there was a lot of pe- a lot of clamour to be at the events because people have been kind of locked away for so long. And now we feel like we're back in that regular rhythm where there's a good drumbeat of events. People kind of want to be there for the right reasons. They want to go and network. They, they're there for the content. And they're there just for the, the good time. The reason I like the the Trinity lunch so much is because 
it is the the first event in pre the festive season. Everyone's still got some energy left. <laughs> yeah, or energy at the start unless you the work tent. in the Blue Stripe office where Christmas started three weeks before. Yeah, m- normally due to the man. On Christmas my left is here. not just for Christmas. Here we go. Christmas is not just for Christmas. So it, it was because it was a November event. So technically, it's not a festive event, but it's definitely the, fu- the first. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, we had a Christmas tree. You did have a Christmas tree. That's true, and it did feel very festive. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought it was really good. It felt really informal. The reason I like them is because it's uh, you're not listening to content loads. Um, you're networking, you're meeting people in the industry, which is what it's all about. And it feels quite informal. And it was quite nice to be back there as part of Microsoft um, because we've, we've kind of gone through that integration of becoming part of Microsoft from Xander to Microsoft. And we were an ever-present at these events. And it's nice just to see our name as Microsoft fully rebranded um, at the event, so it was uh, it was really good. And yeah, huge thanks to you guys for sponsoring it. It's uh, that was brilliant. It helps helps to pay the bills, keep keeps everyone in. Uh, yeah, definitely canapes. And one of the families. So I mean, it is quite funny. Not not funny, but you know, we, you were here with Sander doing podcasts with us and lot in various different guises. And now it's fully Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So how's that kind of? Well, I was going to say journey. I shouldn't use that sort of word. How's it been for you? And, and how is it now compared to, I guess, how it was a few months ago? Yeah. So I think as a both personally and from a business perspective, it's been really, really interesting because Microsoft have integrated us really well into their into their business. We've done lots of great stuff together already. You know, think of things like Netflix that we've, we've kind of landed. Great stuff has happened. A lot has changed in our business going from kind of what feels like a, a scale up as as Xander, even though we were part of a big, big organization then, to being part of what is, you know, arguably the biggest company in the world and being, you know, being a really kind of vital part of their, you know, their resurgence within advertising. So it's been really cool. It's been really interesting. It's a lot of change. Um, and, you know, for me, to change is to improve. So I think there's some really, really cool stuff that we can, you know, we've been learning and, you know, things like the AI piece and and all that and the stuff that Microsoft have got within search and their audiences and stuff. You know, I feel like I'm in a new business um, and that's really cool with all the kind of knowledge that I've got of our of our ecosystem and what we can bring and that kind of tenacity that we had as a as a kind of scale up. So it's a nice mix, I think. And are you all in one big building now? Are you all in the same place? Yeah, it's all in Paddington, yeah. um, which is great if you're on the crossrail like me and you've got a 10-minute commute. Less so if you used to come 10-minute commute? Yeah, wow. literally on the crossrail. It's been a game changer. Wow. So, uh, so that's really nice. Um, but it's really cool because I think, to your point around kind of being back to normality post-COVID, you know, no one's really in five days a week, but I still don't think you can substitute for that face-to-face interaction and collaboration especially when you become part of a, a bigger business mm. um and so now we're with the wider microsoft advertising team we feel like one team all pulling in the same direction um which is really cool and then just to build the network and get to know more people is, is brilliant i will not miss going to these under offices and going down that um, the most amazingly long corridor it was the longest corridor. it was the longest corridor in the world to get yeah. to the front door so funny story is I never thought I'd, when I went for my interview, I never thought I'd get out of that building. <laughs> no. So if you go around the wrong way, you go downstairs yeah. and you think you're going downstairs, but yeah. you don't end up downstairs. And I was like, 
I've gone for an interview. I was like, I can't go and ring the doorbell and be like, I can't exit. Because I was like, that's going to look really bad. So, so I kind of just milled around for a bit until I saw someone who looked like they were going in the right direction. I don't think anyone at Xander knows that. But uh, but I did make my way out and back into the building after I got the job. So. I, I really want to go and see these stairs that feel like you're going down, but you're not going down. That sounds quite weird. It is weird. I don't know where you end up, actually. You end up in some weird... I, I mean, I've been down those stairs, actually. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. It's very weird. Is weird, and there's no one at the reception, um, so it felt very startupy. <laughs> yeah. But I did love that oh, the location of that office. Was location brilliant. was amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely un- unbeatable. So, what do you give us? Give us a, a taste then of kind of the the Microsoft vision of 2024. Where you know we're we in Christmas now. We are on Christmas. Happy Christmas, everyone! So we, it's time to talk about next year. So, you know, what's a big picture view of what Microsoft is up to next year in Microsoft Microsoft advertising? Yeah, so I think you know it's. For Microsoft generally within the advertising space, it's to make life easier for advertisers, to give them more choice um, and to offer them, you know, a a better solution. I think what we've got in the market from my personal view is, you know, some big tech players that mop up a lot of the spend. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, some of where that spend is going, there's some inherent problems with that. And I think that's created by some of the power that you have within, within technology. I think what Microsoft can give is a viable alternative marketplace that gives you scale across markets that can work across audiences, search, programmatic, you know, owned and operated stuff. So I think the opportunities are endless. And I I think for 2024, you know, my hope is that, you know, we kind of get closer to kind of being able to pull that together for advertisers and, and kind of really take that to market with some real vigor. Um, for the benefit of advertisers, I think that choice is just, you know, will create innovation in the market, not just from a Microsoft perspective, but for the wider industry. And with that innovation, I think we need it right now yeah. with, you know, where we are as an industry with the death of the cookie and all that kind of stuff. I think we need a bit of a shake up and a bit of change and a bit of, you know, a bit more, I guess, power in the hands of the advertisers, which will which will drive that, I think. And do you see... Uh from the advertisers, there is this appetite for change. They do want to be see more innovative solutions. They do want to perhaps step away from the same old ease, big solutions <clears throat> that they've been using for the last few years. Isn't that that's that's a sort of the the friction that advertisers want, or hopefully, you know, as Andy say, want innovation, want change, but also they want kind of laziness and ease. You know, there's certain certain platforms we know will just deliver yep. with maybe little innovation. But what, what are you seeing in terms of the friction between those two things? I think there's a couple of things at play there, right? So if we look at kind of, you know, what I would describe as easy supply chains, which have historically been the favoured path because I want to spend this budget and I, you know, I want to put it somewhere where I've, what I've heard of before, right? A lot of the time that's going on user-generated content, for example, which inherit- inherently has its own issues as we're, we're seeing now. Yeah. Um, what we are starting <coughs> to see now and the trend over the last kind of, I'd say, at least two years is advertisers starting to take a bit more control. And once they start looking under the hood, they actually realize that, you know, we're on the same, same, using the same data as our competitors against the same media assets. Yeah, we're spending quickly, but we just have to spend more to get competitive advantage. Is that really interesting? No. Um, is it, you know, is it giving me the ROI I need when I go speak to my CFO? Probably not. So I think there has been a clamor for change. I think some senior marketers have been ahead of others in terms of how much they're agitating for that and pushing their agencies or getting close to the tech vendors. 
Some, I think, are coming on that journey, but I think they are sort of pulling that way because we've just had this lazy reliance on certain things and and I think we need to kind of move away from that now. What's, what do you think? Lots of, lots of sort of push points you mentioned there, but what's the biggest... What's the biggest catalyst for advertisers to make the move? As you say, there's some marketers that have been really ahead of ahead of this and pushing agencies and pushing for change. Some haven't moved yet. What do you think it is? Is it the RI model? Is it the the CM, CFO sort mm-hmm. of demanding? Is it the potential sort of worry around issues like sustainability? What is the biggest push? I think there's, there's a couple of things that you, you've mentioned. I think one of them is very much the macroeconomic client and especially digital within programmatic is growing right and has well, has been growing and makes up a bigger part of advertiser spend historically right or more so in recent times with more spend comes more scrutiny i think people need to understand what's going on and things like the pwc report where money was going missing that drives a catalyst for change because that's when the business starts asking well what's happening with our media spend where is this missing money going it's making up a bigger proportion now it becomes a bigger problem the second part you mentioned as well is around, you know, things like CSR initiatives. Well, how do you support that? You're never going to do that doing the same thing. It's become a much bigger part. Consumers are working with brands where the values match. And actually, that's got to be executed, not just in the creative, but actually where you land. And the, the interesting thing that I've seen is actually, <laughs> from Mark said, I'd, I'd love to see how this plays out in 2024, is where, how important is the DNI piece now? For advertisers because that became a huge thing yes and now when i'm having the conversations it seems to be much more focused around carbon solutions like that like they're a substitute for each other like yeah. you know you can't do both there's almost too much going on and what i'd love to see is that balance next year and i actually think there's probably a separate conversation but i think that's also a catalyst for for advertisers wanting to agitate for change well, i think you're totally right about that they're both equally important wanting pushed away as if they are replaceable i've always thought that in recent times the last six months that maybe dni the cmo the cmo cared about my sustainability the ceo cares about and maybe that's 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 the difference and that's why sustainability has sort of risen up in importance i don't know a cynic might say it's what the agency is pushing most at that particular time um <sighs> yeah, I, I, cynic sandy we don't mention so i think it's more around like that people tend to follow each other. Exactly. So what's, what's you know, I was sat here doing the Programmatic Life podcast and we had Demi from M6 was on. And this was, you know, right when, you know, everyone was doing the black squares and stuff. And his his thing was, let's see how this plays out in the next year. Let's see if advertisers still care. And I think that's still an open question. Whereas I think what we've seen is advertisers care, but has that been kind of, superseded by something else and has it been deemed that the dni piece is too hard to do and actually there's you know with some tech vendors coming on who are supporting the csr stuff um the carbon initiatives and making that easier to to kind of activate against has that taken its place and our brands being like okay we've done our bit now is a really interesting piece and i don't know if it goes in like one of those things where it just becomes what's in favor at a certain time can we do too much is something too hard to do so we just park it and and figure out how we do it somewhere else. I just think it's a really big, wide, open question that I think will be really interesting in 2024. Uh, exactly what you say, I think, is something too hard to do, and also, especially in, in, with the current economic climate, what sort of delivers on the bottom line, and one obviously does more than the other, potentially. So, yes, yeah, dead loss of forces at play. But look, let's go talk about some lighter stuff. Uh, Christmas. 
<laughs> Love Christmas. It's a nice segue, though, you see? Yeah, it was subtle, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, keep me industry for a second before we go on to your, I must say, controversial views around mince pies. What, what are you seeing in terms of the industry Christmas this year? Are you seeing sort of all the parties back? Are you seeing sort of excitement or are you seeing confidence in the market? What are you, what are you seeing? Yeah, so I think there is, it's definitely back. Um, it's, it's hard for me to tell because <laughs> I feel like current pre and post COVID is very different. <laughs> yeah. I think my energy levels for Christmas are waned a little bit, um, especially after having a three-year-old, which means basically I can never have a hangover. Or I can have a hangover, but I'm not allowed to feel sorry for myself. <laughs> so it means that I'm thinking about that pre Whereas, like, you know, when I was on the SSP side in like 2016, 2017, I felt like it was every day in December mm. there was something. Yeah, I'm picking and choosing more, but they're still going on. And I think the appetite there is certainly there. You know, sales teams are back in market, you know, whether it's three days a week, but they're back in market. I think where, where we see the difference is that Thursdays, when I'm booking restaurants for Thursdays, you need to put a credit card down. For Friday, yeah. you don't, Yeah, which is yeah. really interesting because everything is pulled into Thursday. And it's almost like the weekend starts on Friday and people tend to not want to come into town. So it'll be interesting to see if they if we still can do it. That was interesting at Trinity, actually. A lot of people saying, oh, I don't often come in on a Friday. This is all very mm. new for me. And so, and by God, they were going for it as if it was a, uh, a Friday night out. Yeah. It was, I, I that was, was a real... That must have been the first day I was on a train on a Friday for... A couple of years. Yeah, me too. It's a strange experience. So you mentioned your three-year-old. So I guess you've probably got some interesting views on Peppa Pig because Peppa Pig is, is another big topic of discussion on the It's Always yeah. Media Thursday podcast. And Peppa Pig, pro, anti, what's, what, what's your view? Any, any, I guess, any deep insight you've got to share? Yeah, so I'm pro Peppa Pig in that it is a great facilitator of me being able to just live my life. Um, <laughs> so pre-having a kid... I I was like, oh, you know, I used to see kids with screens at dinners and stuff. I'm like, oh, I'd never do that. If I have a kid, I'd never give them screen time and all that. I mean, I was so wrong. <laughs> so I use <laughs> yeah. it use it to my advantage. Um, I think some of it's quite funny. What's your favourite character? Uh, I have to say Daddy Pig. I mean, yeah. I'm She's biased. the right answer. Don't um, point at me and say Daddy Pig. <laughs> many people have said that Andy looks very much like Daddy Pig. You've got some Daddy Pig vibes, yeah. for sure. You, so coming down the studio, interestingly, the guy who does the voice for Daddy Pig, there's a signed picture on the stairway. Yeah. She always look yeah. at it. very cool. I didn't know that. That's quite impressive. We'll get your picture next to the, the man that does Daddy Pig's voice. Yeah. I, I've, we've been in this po- podcast studio about a million times now, and the fact we don't have our picture up on the... That's coming soon. <laughs> Oscar promised us. He's looking at us now. So yeah, yes, he's looking at coming. us. Picture coming soon. Picture coming soon. So, okay, let's sort of kind of round up with uh, our thoughts on the year ahead. I didn't think you were ever going to finish that sentence. No, I was <laughs> thinking, as I was saying, what you talk about. So let's say, yeah, things, I mean, you talked about there is positive, positivity coming back. How excited are you about 2024 and, and why should people listening be excited at 2024? I think Trinity Lunch last week was, everyone I talked to, there was a really sort of uh, note of optimism but tempered by the fact this is what people were saying last year. Well, yeah, we, we said exactly time. this. Everyone was saying last year, tw- oh, 2023 can't be as bad as 2022, can it? And this year has been, oh, Q1 was horrible. Q2 will be great. And everyone's saying this, we're going to get Q4 out and done now. So I, I do wonder if there's a certain amount mm. of digital industry. It's going to be fine because it, the year ends in a different number next year. But? But Karen will know yeah. better. I don't. <laughs> 
what i will say is i think we like we have a tendency to look at the year right on in retrospect or especially when we get into q4 and we're like oh that was a tough slog like i'm not sure how good that was but actually like looking back at 2023 we did some cool stuff like mm. like netflix did their advertising stuff ctv was opening up disney plus announced that they were doing it that was like big clamor in the market obviously from a you know selfish perspective we started working with Microsoft and and that was happening. And then AI became a thing. And maybe the numbers are a bit softer. That's macroeconomic climate stuff. And we can't control that. But there's so much there to take into the next year about our industry continuing to grow and innovate and thrive. I'm really like impressed by the talent that we're seeing within the industry as well. Like there's younger people coming through with really fresh ideas. They're more willing to challenge our clients um, than ever before, which I think is going to is going to create some change and momentum into next year. I just think we just got twenty twenty three gave us so many building blocks that twenty twenty four. I'm really excited about what that's going to look like. I suppose you forget I mean, it was CTV did open this year. If yeah. you think about programming out of home that happened more this year. A lot of stuff did really it didn't launch this year, but actually start coming serious this year yeah. so you're right it's a building blocks and i think now. things like programmatic out of home i think next year is a huge opportunity mm. because you know when we look at things like the you know the death of the third party cookie and we look at things like attention and engagement becoming way more prominent over things like viewability and, and other things we typically use for display programmatic out of home becomes a really interesting proposition for that the targetability but with the engagement you know that's what drives a lot of a lot of ctv you know, interest is is those two things, and and you can get that with with programmatic out of home. So there's loads of space for us to grow into. Um, so I'm really optimistic about next year. Less optimistic about the mince pies for over Christmas. Um, do you want? Do you want to come? We've got to get we've got to get to this point. I can't hide anymore. Give us your view on mince pies. I don't like mince pies. Why I, don't you like mince pies? Everyone likes mince pies. Mince pies are Christmas. Mince pies are the most exciting thing all year. Why, why do you like mince pies? For, for listeners, Justin's just got really just, animated just, here and yeah. he's leaping I've out of his I've never heard this. I've, I've never I, seen Justin so know. upset. Yeah. He's my very good friend, but I'm, yeah. think, I'm thinking different of you. It was quite odd, that, wasn't it? He, did, <laughs> he does like a mince he pie. So I've, no like a, I've never in my, my life doesn't like a mince pie. Well, not overly keen. No, they're a bit pointless. And also... There's a reason why people only eat them one month a year yeah. or one day a year. Because it's a treat. It's like turkey. Yeah, it's a bit like turkey. Like, does anyone like turkey? No one does. No one likes it. That's why you've got to put tons of gravy on it. You eat it because it feels like Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and it is Christmas. It is Christmas, but it's almost Fair like it's forced for. upon you. You have to do it because it's Christmas as opposed to you want to do it. I don't wake up on you know, Christmas Eve and be like, <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait for this mint. <laughs> See, I do. I really do. You I do wait. that from November onwards. <laughs> yeah, I do. We're never going to agree on this point. We're not. I think. not. I think maybe that's kind of a good letter on which to end. Is it? Yeah. We've had this podcast has been full of incredible insights, incredible sort of views, uh, experienced and informed views on the year ahead. But now we're descending into no, chaos. basically nonsense and chaos Yeah, yeah with attacks on the mince pie, which is the <laughs> key part of Christmas. So apologies to our listeners for that essentially heresy. And I think now it's a good time for us to, to end. So I'd like to say thank you so much to our guest. Amazing. Thank you very much. Uh, really delighted to be on here. So thanks for having me. Brilliant to see you. And I think it's, now it's going to be goodbye from me. And it's also goodbye from me. Andy Oates, publisher. All right. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. 